even just identifying yourself as a left-leaning or right-leaning person, but more so a Democrat or Republican, kind of forces you into that bucket where you're like, well, if you don't agree with this one policy, of course you can't be a Democrat. Welcome, you're listening to Armchair Politics, where two guys try to discuss and understand current topics in politics and culture. We are your hosts, I'm Tyler. And I'm Jared. And today, our topic is understanding political ideologies. And I think the best place to start with this is maybe just discussing um, kind of the history of of how politics came to be, Um, maybe starting with um, even just monarchs and things like that. Yeah. So when I ended up looking into this, so a lot of the terms that we tend to use today would be like left versus right. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most common thing that you hear nowadays. When I was looking into the history of this, one of the first times that this is really used is during the French Revolution to basically um, describe whether or not somebody supported the king or didn't. Generally, those people who didn't support the king would be considered on the left and those who did would have been considered on the right. Eventually, this ended up um, kind of melding into this political idea of right versus left. And we're going to kind of talk about some of the things that make up what puts somebody on the right and what would put somebody on the left, as well as also what is um, what's way to kind of understand if somebody's more authoritarian or libertarian. There mm-hmm. is a lot of different ways to understand political beliefs and political belief systems. And it is kind of funny. We were just talking about this before we started. How it is funny how we're all about having an open discussion, talking about politics. And now in our third podcast, we're going to start labeling everybody. Yeah. But <laughs> Put everyone but, in the box. Yeah, put everybody in a box. But it is actually useful to have definitional terms and to understand things like that. Um, things like this because it gives you a kind of a broad sense of what is meant when people say left and right in Mm -hmm. today's culture. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And it's interesting uh, when I, I would equate this to when I first started learning about or reading a lot more about politics, I didn't know how to even describe myself or my political beliefs. Um, I mean, in just broadly speaking, what it meant to be left on the, on the left or on the right or Democratic, Republican or whatever. I didn't even consider authoritarian or, or libertarian either when I was first approaching it. And I know a lot of people will kind of harp on, is that the correct scale to have like that? You'll hear people that are political commentators say like, oh, this access isn't even appropriate to describe people on a political spectrum or whatever that happens to be. I think it's pretty close. I think it's a good descriptor of how people feel about politics. And we were actually looking at this other spectrum. I don't know if you want to describe that a little bit because this one's actually pretty cool too. I think it helps describe your maybe political beliefs in a different way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to the tests that we took both sep- or yeah, both individually was the first one is the political compass test. Mm-hmm. These are free tests that you can take online. You know, they are interesting. I wouldn't say take them as, you know, 100% gospel. In context terms of, matters, yeah, context for sure. Matters. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the questions are definitely going to be frustrating when you read them because you'd be like, ah, I don't know. It depends. Yeah, right. It depends. Yeah, it depends on the context mm-hmm. of the question. Yeah, yeah. But but overall, they're good and interesting just to understand things in general. The political compass one, if you look it up online, it's basically uh, four, four grids broken into at the top would be authoritarian and the bottom would be libertarian. And then on the left is the left on the right is the right. And for the most part, it's just authoritarian kind of be a measurement of how strongly you believe the state should rule. Do you believe that the state um, can use violence for a variety of things? But if you're more libertarian, 
you're more likely to stay, say uh, the state shouldn't really be very strong or exist at all. Like the most extreme authoritarian would be when you think of totalitarian governments, think 1984, the mm-hmm. book, yep. that would be the extreme version of authoritarian. The extreme version of, of libertarian would be anarchy. So basically yep. no government whatsoever. Yep. And then you have left versus right. And generally speaking, how that's broadly defined in the political compass is left versus right. There's a kind of a cultural component and an economic component. So when you're kind of looking at the cultural side of left, kind of who would be at the far left or the far extreme of left would be like somebody like uh, John Lennon. So if you've ever heard the song Imagine by John <laughs> Lennon, you know, I think it's something like, you know, imagine there's no um, there's no religion. There's no I forgot all the other things he might say. He might say governance. I, I can't remember all the things he yeah, says, I don't even know. but he's basically destru- describing all these different structures because for generally people on the left. Hierarchy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And hierarchy. Yep. For people on the left, they view structures and hierarchy as something that uh, can easily be corrupted and can be a big problem for society at large because people on the culture left tend to view people as more inherently others interested. So that would be an example of like culturally left. Um, If you're looking at like culturally far right, you know, it could be um, a variety of different things. One of the things I actually put it, put down is something akin to like a theocratic ethno state <laughs> would be like the <laughs> extreme version of like far right and authoritarian as well but basically this idea that traditions and values um, need to be enforced and if you are authoritarian about it i put that something like the uh hands made handmaid's tale yeah might be an example of like scary <laughs> thought <laughs> right um, that's a crazy show if you haven't watched it right that would be an example of something like far authoritarian right-leaning. They may not be very economically right, though, like capitalistic. I don't right. know. I don't know the show mm-hmm. very well. Mm-hmm. But culturally, they would be very far right. But also you could get people who are libertarian culturally far right in the sense that they might say, yeah, I don't think people should do certain things, but I'm not going to say the state should enforce that. So you might get that example. Same thing with people on the left as well. And then when you get into the economic aspect of it, so if you're looking at far left as possible, generally speaking, in our modern, in our society as is, we kind of describe this as um, socialist versus um, capitalist. That's generally how this is understood. In the eight values test, it kind of is in a spectrum between equality and markets. That's how they describe it. But um, if you're far left, like as far left as possible when it comes to the economy, you would basically be a Marxist. Mm-hmm. That's what you would be. Somebody who believes that the state should have, or the people, however you want to phrase it, should have complete control over the means of production. Basically, to each of their means, to each of the, or what was how? Yeah, it, um, it goes from each according to their need. No, from each according to their ability to each according to, to their, their need. need. Yep, right. that's yep. what the that's a famous line from Karl Marx. But that would be the idea for a far left leaning economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, far right leaning would obviously be very, very free market. So no regulations really at all. If any, that would be as far right leaning as you could think. Ayn Rand is a famous philosopher who came from Russia, and she was definitely a big proponent of complete free market capitalism. She had from lived- Russia. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she actually lived in communist Russia for a while. And from what I can remember, it um, she remembered growing up seeing her father's business being taken from him. Right. 
by the state, and she eventually came to the United States and wrote a bunch of different books. Um, Atlas Shrugged is a popular one. There's a few others as well, The mm-hmm. the Fountainhead. But a lot of books revolving around individuals basically trying to break free of the control of the state so that they can do what they want to better society. And yep. so if you're more far right, you, you would essentially believe that market forces and people making decisions individually is better for for everyone as a whole. Yep. So those would kind of be the idea. Uh, actually, one of the things I wrote in here too, just because this is a common misconception that I feel like a lot of people have. So Nazi, um, Nazism, because you know we always have to talk about the Nazis if you talk about <laughs> politics, because yep. that's that's everybody's uh, everybody's favorite straw man to beat up. But Nazis actually would not be considered economically far right. So they might be considered culturally far right to a certain degree in the sense that they obviously had a lot of focus on um, nation and genetics. However, when it came to religion, they kind of were using that as kind of a cudgel to force people into believing certain things that they had about the nation, which is kind of interesting. But when it comes to economics, they were Nazism actually would have uh, stood for nationalist socialists. So economically, they were actually probably closer to the left than they were to the right. But culturally, they would have been further to the right. I wouldn't necessarily say as far to the right, because again, they kind of, some of the traditions that would have prevailed, like certain religious traditions, they weren't a huge fan of or kind of tried to skirt aside. Right. But um, yeah, economically, they definitely would not be far right. So that's definitely a distinction to make as well. Yeah, it's interesting. As we're doing some research, it's interesting to see the how the formation of our left left right i guess you could say um, scale came to be in america as america separated from england we have george washington being the first president and then we have not really a kind of it's more there's no political divide yet but we get towards further presidents in it's the federalists and the democratic republicans and if you watched hamilton Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get a good uh i guess representatives with songs yeah so exactly you get, <laughs> you get bored there you go they're good songs too so yep yeah. yep uh, and then after that you get a more formation of uh you know democratic party uh and then the republican party i think along the lines of where abraham lincoln maybe were but where the republican party started if i'm not getting my history or timeline incorrect mm-hmm. um and then you know it kind of over time, as you look through history, it changes. Like the, the values of the Democrats and the Republicans don't, they don't actually align with what Democrats, Republicans believe today. So it's kind of interesting to see that political dev- or political changing with the parties um, and left and right or whatever you would consider there. Yep. Going forward. Yeah. And that, what's really interesting about that is I read a book and I can't even remember who it was by, but it was a really fascinating book that basically um, talked about it. It was called Jefferson and Hamilton, Men Who Shaped a Nation. And it's just talking about their differing political ideologies because of most of the founding fathers, it was definitely Hamilton and um, Jefferson who were probably ideologically as far apart from each other as they could be. But when we kind of look at it compared to today's political compass, the interesting thing about it is both men would be considered on the right in the political compass that we have today. The biggest difference probably being is that Jefferson would have been more of a proponent of less government and more of the individual where Hamilton would have been more of a proponent of the nation and also of making sure to have strong, secure borders. And, and a centralized by, bank. Yeah, and it, well, yeah, and then banking. It could be a whole different different episode, but, I mean, a whole different session that we end up talking about in the mm-hmm. podcast. But, yeah, it is interesting to see how that ends up happening. And eventually you do kind of morph into what is modern-day left and right. But even in the United States, 
the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, when you compare it to kind of Europe, even then, your average Democrat, and actually I would say that this is changing because now that we're getting more people who are a bit more radical, the Democratic Party is shifting further and further and further left. left. Yeah, for sure. But if you go back to like 2012, for sure, you would see that the Democratic Party and the Republican Party were on the right side of the political spectrum, if you're Mm -hmm. looking at it from the sense of the whole world. Um, The Democratic Party in 2012, and maybe just even go back to 2008, whatever you want, but in 2012 wasn't really, was not in any way openly pro-socialist. You know, now you have a guy like Bernie Sanders who says he's a democratic socialist, right? And he can Mm -hmm. openly say that. But in 2008, that would have appeared to be like political suicide. You're not going to say that. You might try to insert certain political programs that were socialist, Mm. but you wouldn't say it openly. Yeah, say it, right, for sure. Right, yep, even getting into Obama and Obamacare, that was something, the Affordable Health Care Act, that was something that, Democrats were very careful not to say that it was a socialistic program or anything like that because it would have made most Americans have that bad taste in their mouth right. about it. Looking further kind of into going back to the political ideologies, um, one of the things too, so we've been talking a good amount about right and left, but one of the things that we haven't really touched on too much yet is this idea of authoritarian and kind of libertarian when looking yeah. at the different scales. This is interesting to me because, I, like I said, I hadn't thought about the scale on that because you, all you hear traditionally and especially in news media for mm-hmm. sure traditional news media you hear left and right you don't necessarily hear authoritarian libertarian i guess probably because it's not as sexy to talk about not as divisive <laughs> right because you could probably easily divide left and right and people can fall into those two really easily but authoritarian libertarian yep sorry continue yeah no i i think that i even um even when i was getting into politics and when i was starting to find it really interesting I didn't know that inherently I kind of did have a libertarian bent, but it wasn't until I started listening to other people talk about the um, the evils of what can happen if you don't have a checked government, mm-hmm. what can happen if you let the government run amok and not have any way, shape, or form in which there are other people or other ways in which you can make sure that they're doing their job and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and so I ended up finding out that one of the bigger distinctions for me was between authoritarian and libertarian. You know, I might go to a a family gathering and something like that, and then maybe they would talk about, you know, I remember a hot topic growing up was um, gay marriage, and I remember Mm -hmm. talking with some people who were on the right, and they, they would say something like, yeah, you know, I don't think that two men should be able to get married. And I remember somebody who is, somebody who is culturally on the right thinking, well, I in no way, shape, or form think that the government should force people to be married in one way or the other. Right. My initial thought was, why does the government even need to be involved yeah, right. in this, yeah, right? At all, yep. Right, why isn't this something that can just be a decision between two mutually agreeing adults, mm-hmm. ultimately? And so even then I realized that there was a distinction between people who tended to be more authoritarian versus libertarian. Because yep. even though I have my ideas, ideas of what right and wrong are, I also understood that if you're saying you want to use the government, then you're basically saying you're okay with using force. To force your ideals. To force your ideals, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think that's that's definitely one of the big key distinctions between the authoritarian and basically libertarian is how do you believe it should be enforced? Like even going to the left side of the aisle, what you have on both extremes of the left side is you would have 
communist, you know, communist Russia or something mm-hmm. that would be like far left authoritarian, yeah, yeah. like Stalinist communist Russia, right? That's mm-hmm. far left authoritarian versus, and I don't even know if I want to say libertarian left is Antifa because I don't feel like that's fully correct, but you know, versus um, actually a good example of this because this person is put on the libertarian left a, a lot is Gandhi is a person oh, sure. who's yep. put on the libertarian left. Yep, yep. So obviously you have a guy like Gandhi who was very much so a pacifist, believed that you shouldn't use force to um, to pass the things or to do the things you wanted to do. But Gandhi uh, politically was actually very much so left-leaning. He very much so believed that people were naturally others interested. And he believed that if we could have a way in which we tear away certain oppressive structures, then people would naturally be good to each other. Now, I, as a person, I'm not hiding my cards on this at all, I, as a person on the libertarian right, I agree with the methods of Gandhi to a certain, you know, to a degree. Mm-hmm. I, I, I respect don't feel him. Like other people are others interested. <laughs> right. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think that he's naive about the nature <clears throat> of human beings. Yep. That's what I think, right? Yeah. See, I think that we both agree. And we're not hiding. I don't think anyone listening would say like, oh, these they're, they're hiding their intentions, right? We're definitely left or right-leaning libertarian type individuals. But yeah, the methods in which that people aren't others interested if given the option. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's also interesting to talk about, um, I know this kind of d- dives into a completely different discussion, but how people get, get those ideals, those political ideals, where do they, where's the influence from? Is it, you know, the, the culture that you're in, uh, you, how you grew up? Um, is it, you know, now we could say social media, traditional news media, um, where do those influences lie and how that influences the, where you lean left, right? That's an interesting, and I think maybe another podcast will be diving completely into like the how social media impacts because it not only influences your political beliefs, but how it influences just politics in general. Super interesting discussion. I think we should have, but to the point of where you think people most get their political ideas, do you think that it would be growing up or maybe the, the traditional values? I think you could argue that too. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I know we talked about the, a little bit about this before the um, the podcast. I think there's like a few different factors involved with this. I mean, for one, I would say before you had democracies, before you had republics, really, if you're going to Europe anytime pre-enlightenment, I mean, granted, they had some other forms of governance too, but for the most part, most people were either living under a monarchy or they're mm-hmm. living under like some type of theocracy or something like right. that, right? right? And you were a lowly peasant and it didn't matter what you thought. And mm-hmm. to be honest, you probably didn't have time to think about such things. Mm-hmm. Too so, busy working the fields. Right, exactly. So if your king was authoritarian, right? I mean, you were by default that way unless you wanted to die, you know? Yeah, and you just right. obeyed the king and that's how it went. So yeah, really before the Enlightenment period and before you started getting all these different um, political ideologies, people would probably just be a byproduct of their culture. I mean, everybody would have probably had their natural inclinations in terms of whether they agreed with royalty or not. But overall, you couldn't really do much about it, probably. Maybe mm-hmm. you could get together with a bunch of people and riot. Maybe. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. about as best you can do. <laughs> yeah. Hope to get another We'll see king. how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. But, yeah, I would say... I know we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to delve too much into it. But interestingly enough, I was just reading an article as well that was saying that they've done tests with the big five personality. Yep. And then they've also taken those tests. They've taken people with similar personalities, and then they've compared what they believe um, politically. They've actually found that roughly 30 to 40% of what you believe politically is due to basically genetic factors. Which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, but is that uh, a Hyatt or um, I'm getting his name wrong? Is that who the psychologist was that does this? Oh, Jonathan Haidt. Yeah, Haidt. I don't yeah. 
think so. I, I'm he just, writes a lot about these. He does. These, so as a social psychologist, it, but if you haven't read in any of his books, I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. I know you would too to read those books but yeah sorry good. yeah he talks a lot about that in the book the righteous mind which i know i've brought up before yep um but i don't think it was specifically him there was i don't know actually where it was from i'm horrible at citing the source right now <laughs> that's Go- right google it you'll find it i promise no. <laughs> but um yeah it is actually very fascinating because i know we've talked about these things before so we won't go too much into it but even the fact that you are somebody who is higher in openness which is one of the trait factors in yep. the big five the fact that you are higher in openness probably means you're not going to be conservative. You could be. It doesn't mean you won't be because, again, Mm -hmm. it's 30 to 40%. But that is a big factor in terms of whether whether or not you're going to be more left-leaning or right-leaning. Now, the other factors, I think I would agree with you. um, And I know reading for the article, they've said they didn't have any percentage on it. But generally speaking, the other factors would come down to, yep, environment in which you grew up in, Mm -hmm. probably family structure, the culture in which you grew Mm -hmm. up in, social media plays a big factor into it. And so that is definitely a lot of it. In today's culture, I would say that the prevailing winds of the culture are definitely left-leaning. It used to be, for sure, Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago that it was more right-leaning. And so I would say your average run-of-the-mill person who probably doesn't know a ton about politics but had to answer questions would probably show up as more left-leaning if they did some type of political test, right? So that's what I would say is the case. Even corporations who most people would think, oh, corporations, they must be right-leaning because mm-hmm. they like or to have money. Or have any and, political interest, right, you'd think. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they're just faceless and they shouldn't have any political opinions, frankly. But, yeah. you know, there's that too. But most corporations nowadays, especially big major corporations, aren't stupid. They understand mm-hmm. that the winds of culture are going left. And so when you get these corporations and they, you know, there's certain issues that become politicized, they tweet about it and they'll tweet left, left-leaning opinions now mm-hmm. because corporations are cowards and at the end of the day, they just want to make a buck. And if they think that the best option they have is to side with the majority, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, take a look at Coca-Cola. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly, yep. Currently, there's a big political issue in Georgia with um, dealing with a voting bill that's going to pass there. And it is definitely the case that on the left side of the aisle is to disagree with the bill. And so, yeah, yeah. you've seen a lot of... Well, like MLB. We've now pulled out of Georgia. Yes, and they pulled out of Georgia yeah. too. So that is that is definitely the case. Mm-hmm. That is definitely the case that that is happening. So yeah, corporations at the end of the day are just people who just want to make money and they're cowards and they don't really care too much yeah. about the any strong political ideology. They just want to they just want to do what they can to make money for it. Yeah, and that that would be a good I mean segue into like social media and how they act and mm-hmm. how their political leanings are. I mean, of course, because they, and I, I don't want to talk too much about this because I definitely think this is a huge other, you know, topic that we could go dive into in a pol- political podcast, but they definitely have a propensity to lean one way or the other, depending on what the prevailing culture is, because they want the most eyes on their platform because they operate on the, you know, they sell ads. They are selling you something, but they're mm-hmm. marketing you as a person getting as much data as they can about you. Right. So I, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, like you said, that'd be interesting I that genetics has a lot to play into your maybe your political leanings. Super interesting to know that. And also, I think, yeah, like you said, environmental factor. And then I don't think a lot of people spend a whole lot of time looking into politics because I, did, I didn't do this before. And now that having spent more time reading articles, listening to other people, like other political commentators, not as much, you know, mainstream news, you, you get that sense that there's definitely a narrative being spun in certain, like, um, either whether that's 
corporations tweeting or putting stuff out there, right? Because because of culture of what the purely narrative is, and news just trying to you know also they're doing the same thing. Social media is they're trying to gain fall or eyes or like attention so they can also make money. So where you get your news or how much you pay attention definitely I think affects your political leaning a certain way or the other. And I'm not you know like you said I think the prevailing culture now is more left leaning and I don't know if that's because naturally that's how most people are or that's because not a lot of people are paying attention to what's going on in maybe they're getting their news from one specific source or they're not looking at it closely enough or and i'm not saying that the the right side of the aisle is the correct side i'm just saying i think it's easier to follow the the wave of culture when it's going one way or the other well one of the things that I really do enjoy, actually, about anybody taking one of the tests, like the eight values test or the political compass test, is I am very much so an ideas-based guy. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the person, honestly, when it comes to a lot mm-hmm. of things, especially when it comes to politics. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care if we elected a squirrel for the president of the United <laughs> States. As long as that squirrel implemented policies that I thought were great and knows how to answer, you know, foreign threats mm-hmm. and, and is sufficient with all those things, I don't care who you elect. I'm pretty sure there's a dog that's the mayor of some city. I don't know if that's in Minnesota or something. But we I, should see how that dog's doing. Maybe that dog <laughs> should run for president, honestly. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If, if anyone asked me uh, personally now, after uh, looking a lot more into politics, like, say, more libertarian, right? More right-leaning libertarian. Mm-hmm. But I would probably consider myself more politically homeless in the sense that I don't have, like, I don't consider myself self-democratic or republican mm-hmm. and i probably don't even agree with a lot of the stuff that libertarian party says like because that's i think those are the extremes right you get yeah. like you can't just and people i think have a tendency to say like if you're a democrat or republican you vote straight down the ticket or whatever mm-hmm. or you're like you believe everything that a democrat believes which is hard i think even just identifying yourself as a left-leaning or right-leaning person but more so a democrat or republican kind of forces you into that bucket where you're like well if you don't agree with this one policy of course you can't be a democrat then right which is like i think totally crazy which is why i like to just consider myself politically homeless where i'm just like i I'll, i sometimes agree with people that are democratic i sometimes with people that are republican but i generally today believe that most p- politicians are kind of like not really great a lot of them are pretty crappy and they don't and they'll say one thing do the other anyway which is kind of the history of politicians in general mm. because politicians never used to be a job right it was never it, it used to be like a public servant or well, like an expert or someone that had just spent time in the political sphere. Sorry, and this is kind of what i'm getting this is what i was getting at before and this is what i like about the political compass test even though it's very flawed same thing mm-hmm. with the eight values test yeah, yeah. is it gets people to think about what they actually believe in right i do believe that if people again they don't have to be as entrenched in politics as i am when i like you know when my hobby is to like oh what should i do hmm, i guess i'll watch a political video or i read i'll read something that has to do with right. some form of so like it takes philosophy. a lot of time to to learn up about this kind of thing it's not like a casual thing where you just like mm-hmm. read one thing and you're like, eh, I know everything about it. Right. And I don't expect anybody to spend as much time on it as that I would or other people who are completely entrenched in it. But I think if people took some time to think about what they believe mm-hmm. and why, I think we would have a much more informed populace. And then yep. I think would lead to a much better and more robust debate politically. So somebody like me, who you have a guy like Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. I personally am not a person who agrees with most, if any, of Bernie Sanders' political viewpoints. However, however, I actually do find myself in some ways 
And I did, I know when he was in the Democratic primary, kind of rooting for him. Mm-hmm. The reason I was kind of rooting for him is not because he was as close to me politically, but it's because he was not shy about who he was. Yeah. He wasn't hiding behind some veneer. So Joe Biden, the reason I believe a lot of people voted for Joe Biden was because he seemed like your grandpa. He mm-hmm. seemed like a guy who was maybe losing it a little bit mentally, but overall, really nice guy. You know, it seems like a guy you could have a beer with, mm-hmm. right? That's what everybody mm-hmm. wants to vote for, and I hate it, mm-hmm. but that's what everybody yep. wants to vote for. It's kind of like back then, or uh, back in the uh, Hamilton era, where they're like, oh, I can have a beer with them. Oh, that, that's yeah. from the musical. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's in the musical, too, yeah, if you sure. look that up, yep. when uh, Aaron Burr's running and he's trying to be very personable. <laughs> yep. Yep. yep, Yeah, and that's actually what I, I cannot stand, is mm-hmm. that you have all of these different politicians who... Most of them, I could almost guarantee you, don't really have strong beliefs. They don't, but they know that they're going to do what, be what they need to be to be elected, mm-hmm. to win, and they don't really stand for anything. Yeah. I would have loved to see a Bernie Sanders debate somebody who, on the right side of the aisle, had very strong political beliefs. Yeah. Um, I thought that I think that would be good for the country so that we could actually see the contrast. And if Bernie won, which, you know, God help us if he did, <laughs> but if Bernie won, then, you know, we could get our full dose of socialism. Yep. You know, no hiding behind it. This is socialism, folks. Let's go for it. And then we could see how that turns out. And then if it fails, which I think it would, but if it <laughs> fails, then what you would get is you would get your full dose of socialism. It's yep. actually much in the same way. I feel like, unfortunately, every generation kind of needs a reminder and needs a lesson about certain hard truths of life. Yep. And I feel like prior generations to If you're ours, not looking at history. Right? Yes. If you're, if you're not a person who can learn from history. And so mm-hmm. there are, fortunately, some people who can look back in history and be like, oh, that didn't seem to work. Hmm, maybe we shouldn't do that. Yep. But a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, when I look back at, at people, why they voted for Joe Biden, I think that's a part of it. And I also think they hated Trump so much that they would vote for anything other than Trump, mm-hmm. which is a big yep. part of it, too. But anyways, the um, to your point about Bernie Sanders, and I, I think I'm rooting for him a little bit, but I think he kind of sold out to the Democratic Party. And this is, I wish the, the party system didn't breed this kind of thing. But like you said, Bernie Sanders has his own ideologies and beliefs. They kind of almost in a sense, I wouldn't say it so much now, but they would have contradicted with a lot of the, what the Democratic Party stood for. So to buy into the, because you need like clout, like you need the party system to mm-hmm. help you become a politician, to become the president, right? You need that, all that money and all that, all the other people behind you, or even just uh, other people that agree with the Democrats or uh, Republicans or whoever, whatever side you fall on, because you're going to be voted for if you're a part of that party system, right? So I think he kind of sold out a little bit in a way where he was like, ah, you know, some of these things I'll kind of, and also if you look back at him speaking, he used to be like, ah, the millionaires and the billionaires. And then now he doesn't say millionaires. He just says billionaires. (laughs) But it's funny because he's probably a millionaire. He got his book and he is a millionaire now. And then he was asked about it and he just said something like, well, if you sold a book that made millions of dollars, then you could be a millionaire too. And it's like, okay, (laughs) Wait, are you getting a free market on us, Bernie? (laughs) I know. It is funny. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, overall, my, my whole main point with this, to be honest, is I do wish that there was um, in some way, shape or form, some something, even even honestly, before people voted, that it was just a questionnaire about people on your political views mm-hmm. and why you believe what you believe in, just to get people thinking. Like, yeah. That's that's the main thing. And that's, again, kind of the thing that we have with this podcast, too. That's kind of the whole idea. Yeah. Just it's, thinking about politics in general. Yeah. Right. Just thinking about what you actually believe. 
if you're somebody who is hardcore, you know, authoritarian left and you're hardcore like, yeah, you know what? Communism didn't work, you know, the first 100 times, but this time it's going to. Mm-hmm. Fine. If we vote for it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to vote to be oppressed. Right. No. Fine. I mean, if that's the case, let's talk about it. I'm totally okay with talking to you and having a discussion with you. Right. But it definitely mm-hmm. um, disgusts me the most when I think a lot of the American voting base, if not I don't know. I'm not going to make a percentage up, but I'm just going to say a large chunk of the American voting base is just like, oh, Trump says mean things. I don't like mean. Joe Biden says nice things and is kooky. Ha ha. I will Mm -hmm. vote for him now. Mr. (laughs) Gaff machine. Right. It's just I don't think that people actually have have ideological stances for Mm -hmm. where they're coming from with things. And if you don't do that and it just becomes a personality contest, then we might as well just all go back to high school and start voting for prom king again because yeah. that's what it feels like sometimes, right? Right. Yeah, I think it. I I think what would be really cool is if we voted and there wasn't like the D and the R in like you know when you're voting, mm-hmm. so you had no idea if they were Democratic or Republican, and you could just be like, oh, I guess I should have probably done some research about these people before I voted instead of being like, Oh, there's a D by their name. So I guess I'm going to vote for that person because they probably follow my values and ideals, which isn't sometimes the case. I mean, you might look, look at this person or do some research and you're like, Holy crap. Like all these things that I value as a person. Mm -hmm. And if you're a traditional Republican and this Republican, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, they're voting. They would vote for, they're for a lot of things that I'm not for. Well, maybe don't vote for that person, mm-hmm. but I don't. They, you know, people don't have the time enough to look at that too. Yeah, and I think there's a divide that's that's worsening too with just left and right. That to your point before about just even discussing this as like, what are your values? How can we discuss this openly? You can't even do that so much anymore. I think a lot of people, when you if they hear that you're conservative, they hear that you're liberal, no matter what it is, they'll. I think this happens more so on the left side where they're like, if they hear you're conservative, they just outright will not talk to you. Or and maybe some people on the conservative side might have some assumptions if they say if they hear someone's more liberal. I, I think we need to stop with the widening that divide and having these discussions and saying like, okay, you believe this, that's okay. We can have this discussion, see where we land. Even if we disagree, that's fine. You at least hear my side of the story and maybe it'll change your mind, maybe not. And I think approaching a conversation with an intent of trying to just force someone to agree with you also is happening a lot. And I think that's just the wrong way to approach conversation. Like when you approach it and saying like, this is what I believe you need to believe this too. That's not how people work. And you should approach it trying to understand the person first and then saying like, okay, well you believe this because of these things. And I believe these because of these things, you know, viewing it from different angles. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it used to be the case more so than now used to be the case that we had more of a shared culture overall Mm -hmm. as a nation. And I think when you posed those questions, instead of jumping to the conclusion of, oh, if you disagree with me, you're an evil person, Mm -hmm. people would instead jump to the conclusion of, oh, they're either misinformed or they're foolish or Mm -hmm. something like that, right? right? And that was more so the case. And that's that's the type of um, America I'd rather be in. I think it is actually the case... Really, it is the case that politics used to be more reason-based. It used to be more thought-based. Mm-hmm. Not than emotions. It, right. And mm-hmm. now it's. I feel like it's just becoming more emotion-based or or tribal-based or however you want to see it, where right. depending on the responses giving, given, if you don't – and also if you don't say the right vernacular, you know, if you're talking to somebody on the left, they might say something like, well, of course, um, there's this disparity between these groups of people because of systemic racism. And if you're a person who is to question that, 
well, now you're a horrible person. Right. You know, it's not just, oh, you're wrong about this. It's, oh, if you don't acknowledge this, you yourself are a racist. Yes, yeah, you're a morally bad person. Right? Yeah, you're morally bad in yeah. whatever way possible. And that's really, that's the end of debate. That's the end of discussion and that we can't grow anymore as a people if we aren't able to talk about those things. And that is really what gets very just pernicious and wrong. I, I would also say too, even going deeper than politics itself, I really do think that there are some like core, like philosophical questions that people probably have an innate answer to or an innate innate way of thinking about them that really do help to explain why people do think what they do. I know when I've talked to people about um, politics and gotten into some of these more philosophical questions, I feel like a lot of these questions can kind of help you to understand why people believe what they do politically. So for example, something like, do you believe people are naturally more self-interested or others interested? And I know we mentioned that earlier, but it tends to be the case that those on the right are more likely to say, well, people are more self-interested. And I would, I would say family interested. You could throw in sure, that as right, well. Right. Um, but people on the left would say, no, people ultimately, ultimately are good and they care about the stranger. You know, they care about all those others and whom they may not know close. Right. Yeah, so that's a big difference. People on the left tend to assume more of the the best of humans in mm-hmm. human nature, I would say, where people on the right tend to veer towards thinking more of the worst towards humans and what they could do. So that's definitely a big distinction, I think, that helps to kind of form certain ideas of political ideology, as well as like what we talked about earlier with authoritarian and libertarian. The idea of when is it when is an excuse when is an excusable reason to use violent force? So somebody on the authoritarian side might say, well, of course, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to make sure that we are using proper pronouns. Right. And so if you're authoritarian left, you might say, yep, if somebody does not use the proper and preferred pronoun, then we should find that person yep. because that is the right choice. But somebody who's more libertarian might say, okay, so you're finding somebody so not, for not using the proper pronoun. So what if that person doesn't pay the fine? And they might say, well, um, then we would probably arrest them. Put them in jail. Yeah, put them in jail. And so the question is, if you're willing to put somebody in jail for something like that, I would ultimately say, do not pass a law that you are not willing to use violent force on somebody for. Right. And so if if you're willing to say, yep, I'm willing to use violent force on somebody for not using the proper pronoun, okay, at least you're being honest about it. But I think sometimes- Canon has some, some form of this, right? Like human does, tribunal or something? At least in colleges. I know yeah, it does yeah. in colleges. That's what there's a guy named Jordan Peterson, really popular on the internet yep. for people who've heard of him. Very divisive person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though he's a friendly Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that was a it was an issue with some of the universities. I don't know what the law is now currently on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that would it's a be dangerous right. area to get in. Yeah, yeah, that would be an authoritarian area. So right. I myself am a person who believes that people's property should be protected. So if somebody is going to steal stuff, do I think that person should be arrested? Yeah, I, I absolutely do because I think that you've crossed a line. I yep. think that you've crossed a line in terms of infringing on somebody's somebody else's work and their property. Yep. Right. But I'm I wouldn't in any way, shape, or form be willing to throw people in jail because, you know, even even prostitution or something like that. Yeah. I'm not a person who would say prostitution is a good thing. I would wish that more people would have more, you know, how should I say it? I, I would wish that more people would have a healthy view of what they could do with themselves and yeah, what they could do with their life yeah. and respect them and respect themselves. But I'm I wouldn't honestly arrest people for 
for prostitution, but some people might say, no, we should. We should, because if yep. you allow that, you're going to allow degeneracy in yep. the in the world. It's right? the same view of, uh, you could throw legalization of marijuana in here too. Mm-hmm. Like libertarian, more more libertarian than authoritarian view, a libertarian would be like, yeah, of course, we don't need, we can decriminalize this because why would we be taking an authoritarian stance and try to, you know, heavy hand the the government of regulation of that. So yeah, I mean, I I think that's a good representation of left, right, authoritarian, libertarian. I would say a, a lot of people are shaped now, and this is what I want to discuss in the next podcast, but shaped by what they see on traditional news media, social media, and how that viewpoint is shaped, whether it's more left, more right, more authoritarian, more libertarian. We can talk about that in the next podcast. Mm-hmm. So I think for now, thank you for listening. Hopefully you understand more today than you did yesterday. And finally, don't be afraid to ask questions.